Thank you for listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCrary, your host, and today I'm joined by Tim Pollard. Tim gives leadership to the kids resources for Explore the Bible. Tim, thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you very much, Dwayne. We're looking at session three of our winter 2021-22 study of Ezekiel and Daniel. Today, we're going to be examining Ezekiel 24, 1 through 14. The main idea here is that God judges those who reject him as Lord. We've outlined this passage, these 14 verses, with three major points, confronted early signs and repeated rebellion. Uh, First of all, verses 1 through 4 is confronted. In these verses, Israel's elders inquired of God. God directed Ezekiel to inform them that he would not listen to them. Ezekiel confronted the elders with their sinful actions that had been carried out over the years. Main point for us is that God confronts unrepentant sinners with the truth. In verses 5 through 9, early signs is what we've called it, Ezekiel pointed to the promises given by God while the Hebrews were in Egypt. God promised to deliver them to a far better land with the understanding that they would worship him alone in that new land. The Hebrews have evidently engaged in idol worship while in Egypt and deserved God's wrath. But the Lord's response was to act in mercy to honor his name and deliver his people from Egypt. We're to be reminded from these verses that God acts with mercy for the sake of his name. The last section, section three, verses 10 through 14 of Ezekiel 20, we've entitled Repeated Rebellion. Ezekiel reminded the elders that after God brought their ancestors out of Egypt, the Israelites rebelled in the wilderness. That generation experienced God's wrath by not being allowed to possess the promised land. We're reminded that repeated rebellion against God leads to facing his judgment. So we have several different ideas here. We see them wanting to seek God, ask for a prayer request, basically, and God saying, I'm not listening. Uh, In verses 5 through 9, we see God swearing an oath. Um, A question that may come up is, to whom did he make an oath? (laughs) God, who else does he have to make an oath to? I think, uh, obviously, you already answered the question. <laughs> he is God, so he, he swore, made a, a uh, promise uh, using his own name. Um, Hebrews 13, or Hebrews 6, verse 13 actually says, when God made a promise to Abraham, since there wasn't anyone greater to swear to, he, he swore by himself, and, and that's the same thing that he's doing here. So the oath that he's making is is an oath uh, to his promise. I mean, God had a a reputation, obviously, for keeping his word. Everything that that he had said had been, you know, fulfilled, and he was faithful to his promises. and And the people should have been aware of that, um, whether they were or not. Obviously, <laughs> it's, is that issue there? So. <laughs> <laughs> so there wasn't really any question you know it is what you just said it's it's totally based on its character uh, here we are in this verse where we're where god says i will not listen 
Are there other examples of God not listening? I think there actually are. Um, there, there are several examples. I think uh, where where God basically said the same thing to individuals. Uh, he told Moses that. Um, we see in the book of Deuteronomy, which, by the way, is one of my favorite books because it's it's a big giant sermon that Moses preaches right at the end of his life. And he's recounting some of those experiences that the nation has had on their 40-year wilderness wanderings. And, and one of those is the experience where Moses sins before the Lord. Uh, he didn't do what God asked him to do. And, and God basically said, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to allow you to go into the promised land. And Moses, once again, entreats the Lord. And, you know, God's promise or God's answer at that point again is, Moses, I I'm not going to listen. Uh, I've already given you my answer. You're not going in the promised land. and That's it. Uh -huh. We're done. Um, so uh, I'm not going to listen to that anymore. An another example is Saul, um, the first king of Israel. Saul, again, um, had sinned against the Lord and God had left him. Um, God was looking for someone else to be the next king of Israel. And um, Saul, again, tried to subvert and find out, you know, is there, is there something that the Lord's going to do? Um, but, you know, God, obviously being God knew what Saul was after and, and basically said the same thing, you know, I'm, I'm not listening, gonna, not going to listen to Saul anymore. And then Jeremiah, you know, God basically just told Jeremiah, you know, that the, commands that I've said or the things that I've told these people, and these are the same people that are that are here right now coming to Ezekiel, uh, you know, Jeremiah had already told them, you know, you're going to be in exile. There's no way around it. And you just need to buckle up. And God basically told Jeremiah, you know, don't don't plead for the people. Don't don't pray for them because I'm not going to listen to anything that you that you request. And um, so, I mean, you know, there are instances where God obviously um, said, you know, I, my mind is made up and, and it, it's kind of futile for, for you to be coming to me. One of the things that's happened in this passage is the, the, that they had worshiped, they had worshiped God, but they worshiped idols as well. So they were uh, polytheistic in that way is that they, they turned to multiple things they viewed as God. What's problem with worshiping both idols and God? Well, I mean, obviously the biggest problem is that God said, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of those commandments that he gave right there after, after um, Israel had left Egypt, they were camped at the foot of the mountain and God gave those commands. And that was the very first one, you know, I, I am the only God and you shouldn't worship anything but, but me. Don't make any idols. Uh, you certainly don't want to make anything that that is a representation of me because you can't do that. And whatever it is, and you know, Moses climbed up to the top of the mountain to get some better instructions from the Lord. And what did the people do? They went went right ahead, and Aaron took all the gold and threw it in the fire. And look what came out: this golden calf. So we should probably worship it. So <laughs> you know, obviously. Uh, that precedent was there. God said, don't, don't worship anything other than me. Uh, but Israel struggled. And, you know, I think we 
still do the same things today. We have those favorite things that we like to occupy our time with that, that are not things that are honoring to God. And whether we worship those in the way that Israel worshiped their idols is, uh, you know, a question, but are, are we doing the same thing? Um, you know, God in, indicted them for breaking several of those commandments, worshiping idols, not obeying the Sabbath, uh, all of those things are, are things that are covered here in, in this passage where God says, you know, these are the things that, that I have against you. These are the things that you've done. And every time you continue to do these things, you get further and further into this pit. Uh, and, you know, obviously they're already in exile, but that's something that's going to last forever. Well, not forever, but it's going to last for quite a long time for them. So you would think, at least I would think, I, I, and I'm probably just as guilty though as I'm bringing this up, that we would learn from our past. We would learn from our individual past. We'd also learn from our history, and we would try to not repeat the same mistake or sin in from our past. But that's obviously not the case. Our own experience may bear that out. What is the appeal? of returning to or repeating the same mistakes over and over and over. What, why is that even a, in something that attracts our attention? One of the obvious answers to that is complacency. Um, you, we, get, we get comfortable sometimes with our sin. We come up with ways to justify it or, or whatever and just say, you know, this, yeah, it might be a sin, but it, it's not that big of a deal when it, when it really is. And I think you know, we just get complacent with it. One of the things that I always like to do when I'm counseling with kids, though, when we talk about what sin is, you know, I always ask one of the important questions is why, why do we sin? And the answer is, and it's not just true for kids, but it's true for us too. I, we sin because sometimes sin is fun. And I think that that's one of the things that kind of attracts us to it. And, you know, we, we want to go back to that fun of whatever our pet sin, our favorite sin is, and, you know, experience that again, even though, you know, we, we know that it's wrong and Israel may have known the same thing, you know, it, it, it's totally wrong for us to desire to go back to Egypt because we know that <laughs> what was going on there wasn't, wasn't honoring God, but, you know, Part of them, I guess, probably felt like, you know, we, even though we were in forced servitude, maybe we did have it pretty good there in Egypt. And we just, we kind of want to go back to that comfort zone. The people have been there for, you know, 400 years. So the ones who were present when they left Egypt had, for their entire lives, known nothing other than that. So, so in, in, Thinking on those lines, one reason we may go back, not just because it's fun, but also because it's comfortable. Absolutely. What we're used to, and we really aren't used to, we don't know what it's like to live a life that honors God completely 100%. That may mm -hmm. scare us, but we know what it's like to live a life that's not 100% always honoring God. And so it feels more comfortable at that point. Uh, God's name is pointed to multiple times in this passage in Ezekiel 20. Why is that such a big deal here? 
Well, I think obviously the big deal, and this just relates back to the first thing that we we really kind of talked about, you know, to whom does God swear an oath? Well, he swears it to himself. And I think God mentioned several times in here, you know, his dealings with Israel. So as Ezekiel is kind of going through this list of things that Israel had experienced in um, their journey through the wilderness and their continued sin, Uh, He keeps going back to the fact that, you know, God said, God told Moses on several occasions, you know, I'm just going to completely destroy this people and, and move on. You know, I'll start over from scratch. (laughs) And Moses, you know, um, prayed and asked God not to do that. And one of the big parts was because God's name is his reputation. In, In Ezekiel here, we read that, you know, God says, I didn't want to have my name profaned by the other nations. So, you know, I know that I'm a strong and mighty God and everyone needs to know that. And everyone should know that because I helped these people escape from their slavery in Egypt, but the people didn't pay attention to that either. Uh, But, you know, God's name is his reputation. And as we said earlier, you know, God's reputation is based on his character and, um, God wanted the people to understand who he was through the things that he did for his people. One of the uh, leader helps um, in the daily discipleship guide and the the group plans in the leader guide uh, point to pack item nine, which is a handout entitled know that I am Lord. Uh, And it's that how that phrase is used in Ezekiel where we can use that to sum up this whole passage. Uh, We can point to the ways that we see uh, the Lord referencing himself. You see it in verses three, you see it in verse five, you see it in verse seven, you see it throughout this passage, these 14 verses. Uh, And that the goal here is for people to know that the Lord is who he is. I am the Lord. And that article, that handout, it's really an article that gives you context about that phrase. It looks at what it means to know, what it means that I am, that, that phrase, the Lord, the importance of that, of that term, and how different parts of Ezekiel uh, carry that idea. And the idea for us here is for us to use that, look at that, that article, let the, the group members gain some insights from it, look at some of the ways that you see it here, see the Lord uh, God use his identity in this passage and the importance of it and then be reminded that he is the one and only living and true God in fact that's the key doctrine for this particular session is about God is that he is the one and only living and true God and I believe uh, 1 Corinthians 8 is listed by that key doctrine uh, which is in personal study guide David discipleship guide leader guide they all carry that same key doctrine so that gives us another place we can examine that idea in 1 Corinthians 8, about God being that one and only uh, true God. And that would be why he deserves uh, complete and 100% allegiance and why his name is a big deal, uh, why he keeps pointing to his name and why that's important. It, it, re- it helps us to be reminded, too, of our responsibility uh, to call others to repentance. That's one of the apply sections here. The apply idea is for the group to discuss the role we play in calling others to repentance and then how we um, 
as a group present that uh, and encourage each other to uh, be repentant in what we do and how we do it. Be uh, uh, be messengers of reconciliation at that point. So all of that comes together to help us kind of bring this lesson to a conclusion, to a uh, tie the bow, I guess would be the best way of saying it. Tim, are there any other insights, key thoughts you would share from Ezekiel 20? I think I might've said 24 earlier. Uh, it's supposed to be Ezekiel 20, 1 through 14. Uh, so I may have made that mistake uh, and I'm capable of doing that. <laughs> I think, I think I'm good. Oh, good. Thank you for being with us, Tim. Uh, before we go, let me remind everyone out there about extra. We identify a current news event and describe a way of using that news story to introduce and conclude the group time. The file is free and you can find those ideas on the Explore the Bible website by typing the following in your web browser. Go explorethebible.com forward slash leader extras. Once again, thank you for listening to us today. We hope you'll encourage other teachers to tune in next week. We'll be looking at session four. We'll be looking at Matthew chapter two, verses one through 12. We're going to be looking at the wise men. It's our Christmas lesson for this year. We'll be taking an excursion away from a little bit of time away from Ezekiel and Daniel. While we look at that lesson, and we celebrate Christmas on December the 25th, but that lesson is on the 26th. So it makes sense that we would study the wise men coming after Christmas is over. Uh, but we encourage you to tune in next week. We'll be looking at how God provides salvation to those who seek him. Mm -hmm.